0: The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. It is April 19th. We are going to ask questions heading into round two, round two, game two of the Milwaukee Bucks against the Miami Heat. We'll go over those. We'll also talk about how the Brewers continue to impress. How should we take this in as fans? Another great win for the Milwaukee Brewers today. And as a special treat, I did a live podcast uh, for the 11th inning of that game, so we'll play that after we talk about it, and that will be today's show. So a little bit of a more condensed show, I'm trying to do this more often. Uh, truth be told, I have a full week of podcasting. Usually I have a day off because we did that awesome pod with Mike. Uh, yesterday would have probably been the day for me to have off, so I filled in on my off day, which is totally okay. I'm all good with that. i really enjoyed talking to Mike. and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. If you're here because you listened to that podcast yesterday and you're new to the Tappy the Keg family, welcome. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts, Overcast, uh, pod, Podcast Addict I've seen uh, hits on. Uh, we're everywhere. So if we are not where you are listening to your podcast, please let me know. The uh, best way to do that is on social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Um, All those places you can can let people know uh, if there's any issues, we're happy to. Or feedback. If you're like, hey, I really think what you do here is cool. Uh, Or, hey, this thing sucked. I didn't really like this. Or I didn't really like this topic. Or you could have done this topic a little bit differently. We will take any and all sorts of feedback. So yes, that's today's show. It's a shorter one. Let's get into it and talk about the milwaukee bucks heading into game two against miami heat before we get into the questions that i have heading into this one let's set the stage a little bit the milwaukee bucks are trailing one game to nothing uh, they are looking to even up the series this has been a theme that the bucks have dealt with throughout their time under mike boonholzer uh, the Bucks have gone down 1-0, and then they found a way to tie up the series again a, in that second game. There have been the instances where they have gone to down 2-0. Uh, that was in Brooklyn and in Phoenix, both when the Bucks won the championship. Now, both of those games were on the road. I have to admit, as a Bucks fan, I've been a little salty watching the Atlanta, Heat, Atlanta Hawks and the Brooklyn Nets because I look at both those teams, and they are nothing to what the Miami Heat are. I think they're they're bad basketball teams. Like the uh, Hawks, just Trey Young is not a playoff basketball player. I don't think anyone can look at Trey Young and think he is a playoff guy. The 2021 playoffs for Trey Young are an absolute fucking mirage. And you look at the Nets, and they're just a team that is going to be probably 500 next year if they don't get any guys. Maybe a playing team at best. But they are a year away from being even considered a playoff team. Uh, and they're just not ready. And the Sixers got an incredible break with that. And the and the Celtics, I wouldn't even say got a break, because it, the Hawks beat the Heat. The Heat looked dead. He looked dead for almost four quarters. And then they pulled out a run out of their ass against Chicago. And they're in the playoffs. And now they beat the Bucs. Now does this give the Heat this ultimate confidence? I'm not sure. We all have to remember that the Miami Heat shot sixty percent from the field and from three pointers. It's the biggest outlier game in the last five years of the playoffs, excluding the bubble. All signs are pointing to the Milwaukee Bucks winning this basketball game, with or without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Could they still lose? Absolutely. That that can happen. It's basketball. It's sports. Anything can happen. But as pointed out by Nate Marzan, the teams who have lost, the home teams that lost Game One came back to win game number two by 18, an average of 18 points. They're doing really well. Now, I think that that number is going to get tested with the Warriors and Grizzlies and with the Bucs if they don't have Giannis Kumbo. So let's talk about some questions that we have heading into this game and what figures to be a very pivotal one for this series. Question number one. Can the Bucs win this game without Giannis? I think that's the biggest question that everybody has. I think that's what the discussion will be throughout the day. Uh, local radio, uh, if people are still in the office at the water cooler, in Slack today, everyone's going to ask Can the Bucs win this game without Giannis onto the Yes, they can. If the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team of basketball, right? 50, they have 58 wins, they should be able to win against the Miami Heat team that has not been very good all season. They should take care of business in this game. The Milwaukee Bucks should show that they're more than just Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they have done in the past, right? They've won games without Giannis this season. Uh, Giannis only played 63 games, and the Bucks were able to win some of those. The Bucks also won two playoff games without Antetokounmpo in 2011, 2021. The Bucks have game plans without Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that's the game plan that Mike Boonholzer has to employ here. Or deploy. And I, I really think they're going to be fine. I think we saw what Chris Middleton was able to do in game number one. I think Chris Middleton can definitely do that again in game number two. I think you get an improved performance offensively from Drew Holiday. I know Drew Holiday has not been great in the playoffs a lot because he's exerting energy on the defensive end and dealing with Jimmy Butler. I think they could find ways to give Drew Holiday a little bit of rest. Uh, Javon Carter had questionable shot selection, but I do wonder, would Javon Carter in the starting rotation be the move instead of Bobby Portis because the Heat play small remember the Heat do only really have Bam out of bio so you could have Brooke Lopez in there and you could have a smaller group out with Gian- if Giannis is missing if that's the case is it Javon Carter to kind of alleviate some of the defensive pressure now could Javon Carter guard Jimmy Butler probably not uh, there that's a massive mismatch and Jimmy Butler will be able to take Javon into the post but you could at least give him some breathing room you could let drew work off ball and give him a little bit more of a relief and so i i personally think that's the move i don't think it's by portis i i could understand the bucks wanting to overwhelm them with size i guess that would be the other adjustment to say all right we're gonna pound it down low and we're just gonna go pick and roll with drew and brook all game long and they you saw some of the pick and roll stuff late in that game and it seemed like the Bucs were kind of getting into that a little bit more. I would not be surprised if that's part of it as well. Uh, but they have to step up. And it's a good gut check moment for them. And it's a good, hey, we can't rely on Giannis to save us. There's a part of me, it's, it's a dumb fan thing. Big Cat of Barstool Sports always talks about meathead fan takes. But I think sometimes there's too much of a reliance on Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this is a good moment for the Bucs to realize how they can do it without Giannis. And in 2022, Giannis had to carry the load. And you saw what happened. He almost did it himself. Got the team to the Eastern Conference Finals. He didn't get there. He came up short because nobody could hit a shot. Now it's on those nobodies to actually hit a shot. I realize the team's different. I'm not trying to call the Bucs nobodies. But I think you get my point. That the Bucs should be able to figure this out. And they've had days to, comp- to plan for it. They've had two days off. I'm sure Mike Budenholzer is scheming. You usually do see a lot of button adjustments in game number two, and this team does usually look night and de- night and day different. I'm not going to overreact in, in quarter number one. I will promise you that I will keep myself even keel until until we see the fi- you know the final result. Until we are at halftime, if the Bucks are trailing or the Bucks look lifeless again. Then yeah, there has to be a lot of questions, but it should be worth noting. Just keep this one in the back of your head: the Clippers were up, I believe, eight or nine points in that at, at halftime, and the Suns flipped the script in the third, and the Suns pulled away and won that game going wet. So just keep that in mind, even if the Bucks start slow, and the Cavs, you know, dominated in that game, and they they played really really well um, from the from the jump. And so, I don't know. It, that's the other side of it. it we would love if the Bucs just came out and destroyed the Heat and everything's back to normal. We head back to Miami and the Bucs have a lot of confidence and hopefully getting their, their star player back. The next question I have from this game, what do the Bucks need to do defensively to improve from the game one atrocity? First of all, the Bucks just need to play defense. I mean, Jay Crowder said, we all need to step up. We all need to play better on that side of the ball. I think the Bucs having the layoff, it, it clearly showed. And then you lost Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the defense just really wasn't there. The defensive game plan, I don't know if that is exactly what they planned to do. I think their plan was obviously with Giannis Antetokounmpo, and not having Giannis there obviously affected things. Bam Adebayo lived in the paint, I think. You're gonna need a lot more from Brook Lopez outside to defend that. You can't let Bam just take jumpers all game long. I realize that Bud might be stubborn there, but you have to get out on Bam or you have to send some, send some help. And you can't let guys like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max Drews get going. Those guys have to be shut out. Let Jimmy Butler have 45 fucking points for all we care. Like I don't, I really don't. If you can shut down everybody else, that's great. You're going to need someone else to step up with Tyler Harrow missing. And that puts a lot of pressure on the Gabe Vincents, the Struces of the world. And usually, role players do not show up on the road. I worry more about those guys in game three and four. I realize they had great games in the first game, but I, I you can't expect that again. And I think the Bucs need to shut that off. Uh, I also think that it's a lot more of defensive intensity and not letting Miami get into the lane. And Miami was deaf by a thousand cuts, and they hit their threes when they needed them, but a lot of it was attacking, and they attacked, 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 and the Bucs need to put an end to that, and that needs to happen right away, and the Bucs need to establish themselves as you know, the best defensive team in the NBA early on. That, that's the thing I will look for early on in this game, is how do the Bucs show up defensively? If they show up with a passion, when they show up with a give a shit attitude, I think we're we're in a really good spot with this team, and I think it'll be all right. And so I do expect a better defensive effort from from this team. I do not expect the Bucks to give up 130 points again. I would be I would be floored if Milwaukee gave up honestly, you know, more than 120. I, I'd have to look back at the Bucks schedule to see if, if that even happened. If the Bucks have given up back to back. 120 point games this season. I know when Brooke Lopez was out with the injury uh, the year prior, there were some moments where the Bucks really struggled on the defensive side of the thing and the side of the ball. And that's a part of the reason why, you know, I think Brooke Lopez has been considered for Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, he did not win it. That went to Jaron Jackson. Let's see here if they've given up 120 in back to back games. We'll omit the layoff game. They did go up 128, and then the next night, no. This is bad this is probably bad radio. I'd rather have to look through it here, trying to see if I can find one just kind of out of the blue, even in like wins. There is, I mean, there is much. And that's again, that speaks to it. That kind of speaks to it. I, I mean, there was a stretch where they gave up 130 and 131, but they won both those games. They scored 141 and 150. So like they they won those games by double digits. So that that doesn't exactly, exactly count. I won't I won't exactly put that in there. Uh, maybe and even the uh, Indiana Toronto they won they gave 119 122 again they won by you know multiple scores so I, there there haven't been many of those moments where the Bucks defense has completely completely fell apart for multiple games on end actually now I see it the December the late December stretch was really the last time where we saw the Bucks defense just fall apart and that was so long ago uh, they gave up 114 118. 139 and 119. Now, the 119 was an overtime, but still, like that, that's the last time we've really seen the Milwaukee Bucks defense, you know, fall apart for multiple games on end. I would not expect this defense to, you know, be a different version of themselves for back to back games. Speaking of defense, will we see an FU game from Brooke Lopez? So, as mentioned, Brooke Lopez is the knockoff defensive player of the year. Even though Brooke Lopez played 600 more minutes than Jared Jackson. That Jared Jackson, you know, averaged four fouls a game. Somehow Jared Jackson is the defensive player of the year. Why Jared Jackson is the defensive player of the year is absolutely beyond me. Uh, Jared Jackson got taken to the cleaners in game number one by the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I don't get it. I, I can't really wrap my head around it. It's just that we want to promote the new young faces of the NBA and heaven forbid that a guy like Brook Lopez can't take home an award like that. And so I just wonder, will Brook play with a more more energy, more ability to block shots? Where Will he be a force offensively? We talked about it on Monday's show how Brook Lopez really didn't have a lot of games where he only scored 10 points. And Brook was a key cog to what the Bucks wanted to do offensively let's also remember that when Giannis went down with the injury in 2021 Brooke had a massive game five in Milwaukee so could that could we see some of that offense again and see Brooke in the paint and trying to get Bam out of Iowa in foul trouble and just have this you know kind of master class on both sides of the court by the way we overuse master class way too much and we i have to find a new word because i've i've seen it now way too much it's like the, he got a dog in him uh and i'm sure mcafee because mcafee's always late on these things he'll he'll use master class a bunch this coming football season because like, he that was a master class like yeah it's totally happening anyways uh but yeah i i think you could see a Brook lopez game where he is just absolutely fired up for it because it's it's definitely a a statement for him and he can sort of show the world a little bit why he was disrespected now it is on NBA TV it's not on ESPN which which will be on Saturday but I think that first game you're always you're always going to he- feel the passion and I think Brooke's going to want to make some make a point and I'm, I'm excited for it and I I would expect Bam Adebayo to have a little bit of the regression monster if I'm not one to recommend props, but I I would say the Bam Adebayo under in points would probably be a safe one. I think to assume that Bam's going to do what he did did the night before is ridiculous, because I don't think it's happening. Question number three that I have about game number two. Who is the most important player to win this game for the Bucks? This answer could go in a lot of different directions. I think what I said earlier about Drew Holiday, I think it's Drew Holiday. I think you need to have Drew Holiday's offense. And you need Drew to be the complement to Chris Middleton. You need Chris Middleton to have a reliable second banana. If that ends up not being Drew and it's Brooke Lopez or it's Bobby Portis, that's absolutely fine. So maybe the answer is not who, it's what is the most important part of this game. And it's really finding that complement to Chris Middleton scoring it kind of goes back to what we said about Jimmy Butler and shutting off everybody else. If Chris Middleton goes off for forty or fifty points in this game, and everybody else thinks that the Bucks aren't winning this basketball game, the Bucks are going to Miami down 2-0. But if they are able to find that balance and able to find a couple guys to step up, they're gonna they're gonna be it's gonna be tied, and so they need to find that guy. I would lean toward it being Holiday, but I could also see Lopez having some moments, as just mentioned. I think Bobby Portis... It's a good matchup for Bobby. Um, I think Bobby's going to have a little fuel after what happened with Giannis, after the Kevin Love incident. I think Bobby's going to be ready to roll. I think he's also pissed off for Brook Lopez. So I, I will see a good Bobby Portis game, or I'll bet a good Bobby Portis game. you know. And so I think just having that compliment to Chris Middleton, because I'm confident Chris Middleton's going to get his. He usually does. Um, and I'd be surprised if he no-showed this one. Uh, usually when Giannis is not there, Chris is a usage monster. Uh, that's a, a very infamous like DFS thing. I, I don't I haven't played daily fantasy in a long time, but whenever Giannis is out, everyone's like Hammer Middleton, Hammer Middleton. I'm sure you know those who still do DFS will talk about that for the, the playoff games uh, tonight because that's that's something you see a lot of. So it's can you find that second banana for Chris Chris Middleton in in game number two? Couple more questions. Are the Bucs absolutely screwed if they lose this game tonight? No, they're not, because there have been precedent of a team losing the first two home games and winning a series. It doesn't happen very often, but it has happened in the modern NBA. It's not uncommon. Uh, 2017, the Boston Celtics were the one seed playing the Chicago Bulls. They lost their first two, their first two playoff games. Coincidentally enough, Jimmy Butler was involved, Dwayne Wade was involved. A Lopez brother was involved. Robin on the Bulls side of things, and then the Boston Celtics for the rest of the that playoffs came back or that series came back and won four straight games. Uh, they won two in Chicago, then they won one in Boston, then they won a next one in Chicago, and they did it pretty easily. The Celtics would win all of those games by double digits, uh, so that's that's a pretty significant like okay. Because the Bulls blew out the Souths that second game, one eleven to ninety seven. First game was close, one hundred six, one hundred two. So if you flipped out, like obviously the Bucks got kind of blown out of that first game. So the second game, if it's close, it's not to say the Bucks Bucks are dead. Let's also look at twenty twenty one. Now, grant this is a four versus five matchup, but still a little bit a little bit similar. The Mavericks went up 2 0 in Los Angeles. Remember how everyone was freaking out about Luka? Luka had 31 points. He had a triple double in that first game. They had 39, 7, and 7. Everyone was losing their fucking mind about Luka Doncic. And then the Clippers, the next two games, win 118 to 108 and then 106 to 81 to bring that series to two. The Mavericks would then win in, in Los Angeles again. But then to close out the Clippers, they could not do it. Remember, that was a 45-point game from Kawhi uh, for the Clippers to win. And then the Clippers would win Game game 7 in blowout fashion, uh, despite a 46-14 and effort from Luka. So that one is probably the one that gives you the most, like, heebie-jeebies because basically everybody won on the road. Nobody won at home. I would also... Point out that I believe there were not a ton of fans in LA. I think there might have been a few, but it was not the it was not full crowds at that point. Uh, yeah, it looks like the attendance at the Staples Center was seven thousand at that point. So it was the weird COVID crowds, things like that, and that so that's at least worth mentioning. That it was a little bit different, uh, but there were full crowds in Dallas as you can imagine. And the Clippers got done in those games, so we'll just have to keep our composure. Like even if even if this does end poorly for the box, I still think there's a pathway through. And I think I think it's there are there's evidence of this. I can't I don't think you just throw the baby out of bathwater and just say oh it's over. I'd say it's over. And if, if you do want to join that dunk club, we'll have a conversation about that after after tomorrow's game because I think that's loser mentality. Lastly, will the crowd show up? I think this has been a big conversation in terms of local radio that the crowd wasn't that great on Sunday. Truth be told, I have no idea from where I was sitting. Uh, I was at a bar in West Dallas. Uh, maybe Mitch and I will talk about it on Tab with the calculator this week. Uh, we, had a, we had a decent time. Uh, they were Bucks fans. Uh, the bartender had a Bucks hoodie on. He was making sure our beers stayed stayed full. You know, they got us food. They they did. They, they had the sound on. They they took care of it. I, I was. Pretty, pretty impressed overall, but there was a lot of talking around us. Uh, there were a lot of people there who were not there for Bucks basketball. They they really didn't give a shit. Uh, they were there to drink. Uh, very West Dallas of them, which no shade. Uh, and also the the volume was so fucking loud in there, like it was a a slate remembrance. Uh, if you ever went to Loaded Slate, Loaded Slate could not play their sound on, like, normal decibels. Like, it always had to be 100 fucking decibels at loaded slate. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that was basically this bar we were at on on Sunday. But all in all, it was a good time. Uh, So, as for the crowd, I didn't hear anything. Um, And I know that people said, well, the crowd really didn't show up on Sunday. And I think part of that, too, is you look at Sacramento. I thought Armin Sion uh, of uh, I probably butchered his last name. I, I apologize, Armin. Uh, he he was on 9 to Noon. He's 9 to Noon's producer. I was saying how the Kings fans it's their first experience, so of course they're going to they're kind of going to be ravenous. And that Bucks fans not necessarily have got complacent, but they've been through this before. They know they know that the big games are coming and that the big games are still there. But I do wonder if after losing one will the fans see it as more of an importance? And will there be a little more energy in that crowd and that it won't just be you know, corporate, corporate, corporate and, and just everybody sitting on their hands? Uh, hopefully it's a loud gym. I felt like that gym was getting loud and I just felt like they never got a chance to go on that full run where the crowd completely loses their mind. I felt like it, when it was like down to five, like the crowd was getting loud, it was swelling, and then just the swelling would go down because Gabe Vincent or Max Struess or fucking Jimmy Butler would hit a shot and then it wouldn't happen. So I'm okay. With, I think I was more on the side as I didn't understand the bitching about the crowd. I think the crowd will be there. Eight o'clock start, that's good. I don't know how many people will be going out for this one uh, beforehand because it's a Wednesday night, it's a school night. Uh, but like if it's a Thursday at eight, I'd be like, oh, everyone's going to be drunk it's going to be a... Rowdy ass crowd, uh, but I still think you'll get a more energetic crowd because eight o'clock. You can complain about it if you want, but it for a lot of people I think it works out. And you get the kids to bed, you're able to you know have a few beverages uh, if you're going to the game, and you're able to you know enjoy Bucks basketball and not think about what's what's ahead the next day. So hopefully the crowd will be there. Like I said at the open, we'll be back tomorrow to recap it all and see. If these questions got answered. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers quickly before we do the live podcast and ride out of here. Uh I I think all I want to say about the Milwaukee Brewers is this team is just incredible. Like this has been such a fun April. I did not expect this. I did not see this coming. I thought the Brewers, you know, best case scenario, they win a couple couple games they shouldn't have. They would be, you know, hovering around the top of the NL Central, but not leading the NL Central, not having one of the best records in Major League Baseball at this moment, not winning six games on a very tough West Coast road trip where you do not have a day off. The Brewers' first day off will come on Thursday, uh, which is incredible. And just the success that the Brewers have had so far has been an absolute dream. And they sit right now at 13 and 5 and that's really really good for reference overall they have the third best record in all of baseball it's the rays it's the Braves and it is the Brewers and the run differential would tell you that it's not fugazi uh, the Brewers have a 34 plus 34 run per run differential. They have 100 runs scored to 66 runs against. Right now the Brewers have the best bullpen in all of baseball. They shut it down again today. They were great. Uh, you know they Kyle Ray kind of turned back into a pumpkin which I think would be expected uh, but they were still able to hold the water because the bullpen was really really good and every day it seems like you're a little more amazed by them and a little more amazed by what what's possible. Uh, you know, today it was four to three. Woking over, cruising along, then Willie Adamas pokes one out to right field. It's another opposite field home run, which he didn't do much of last season, and ties that game up for the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's it's just it speaks to it speaks to Willie's you know kind of just a little bit of a never never say die sort of thing, and just I. I really relish in what the Milwaukee Brewers have been doing this season because I, th- I think it's, it's really special and it deserves a lot of love. It deserves a lot of credit and it's been a fun ride. And at some point, is it going to get nasty? Yeah, uh, of course. Like, uh, of course, it's not going to be perfect the entire year. And I know that this is something I said about Marquette basketball last year. Where I felt like, oh, at some point it's gonna get bad. At some point, there the other shoe is kind of gonna drop, and I I do wonder is is this is this gonna we gonna be able to ride this out for the entire year? Probably not. Right, there are some tough stretches coming up. There's a stretch where the Brewers play the Dodgers, who I know aren't playing well, but they still have a ton of talent. The Dodgers, the Ray, the Royals, which is easy. Then they do the Astros and the Rays, like that's all rolled up into one. So that's. That's crazy to me. And they're gonna definitely definitely have some struggles, but hopefully, hopefully you can ride this for a while. And hopefully the fans show up this weekend. I mean, Boston is a, a team that you're just gonna get fans naturally because they're Red Sox fans, whether they're from the Massachusetts, New England area, or they just want us to go see the Red Sox or they live in Chicago, right? And they can take the train up, it's a weekend series. I don't think the weather's gonna be that great in Milwaukee. The roof will probably be closed for the entire thing, but they'll be able to see the Red Sox. And so I think there is a cool element for that for people who live in this area of, of the United States. So yeah, you'll have good crowds likely all weekend. And I think it will be a combination of yes, to see the Red Sox, but also, cause people wanna watch this team, and it's unfortunate that the Bucks and Brewers Are playing at the same time on, sa- on Saturday I feel like if I were the Brewers I would move that up to a 3.10 start I don't know if they can I know they have a promotion that day with the Yelch Tumbler But I would, I would seriously consider it I think it would make a lot of sense To bump that thing up to 3.30 So you can kind of stagger the Brewers and the Bucks a little bit Or even 4 o'clock Like even do like a 4 o'clock start time and and do it that way. I think that would actually work out. So you kind of have that balance because it seems like playing them at the same time is pretty foolish. I could really eat in to a Saturday crowd where three o'clock. I think people people might try to do both. Um, so we'll we'll have to see. But it's it's a lot of fun, man. And it, it was unexpected. I didn't expect to be grinding out late night games in early April and be into every pitch and be right re- be ready. To talk about it and that's what we're gonna do here now so I did this I, I talked about this when I did the live thing I did this a while back where I just got on the mic started talking about the game uh, tried to do as much of a play-by-play as I possibly could very stream of consciousness stuff let me know if you like it let me know if you don't Uh the keg on Twitter having the keg sports on Instagram you can tell me on either of those places if you're like hey this is a great thing. You should do this more often, or it's like absolutely never again. Uh, we don't want to see it, uh, but we'll. Uh, you let me know. All right, let's kick it to myself doing the live 11th inning. Enjoy. All right, this is our second edition of doing a live late night podcast while the Brewers are playing. We'll set it up here. Uh, 11th inning, runners are on first and third, uh, one out. If you're asking why I started this now and not a little, when the first 11th inning started, I was a little late to get down to podcasting. It was one of those things where it's gotten late in the night where I have to start podcasting. Like if I don't start podcasting, like we're all in trouble. And I don't get paid for this. You guys, you guys know I talk about it all the time. So I have to actually get sleep. Um, if I did need sleep, I'd be like, all right, whatever. We'll see you in the morning, but we gotta we gotta get going. So, anyways, one strike. Willie Damas up. Uh, runners are on first and third. Damas, so slow grounder to short. Runs gonna score. Okay, Brewers are up six to the five. It shows you kind of how bad that rule is in the tenth and eleventh inning. That. Basically, the Brewers have gotten their two runs on a double play, which was a bullshit call in the first place. Like fuck, Joe Jim Wolf. If you guys aren't watching the Brewers game and you're not a sicko watching April baseball at 11:30 at night, the Brewers basically got robbed and out because the guy wasn't on second base. The umpire Jim Wolf didn't hear craig counselor wasn't paying attention to craig council wanted a fucking review like that's that's absolutely ridiculous like i understand they're trying to speed up the game but you actually have to have competent fucking umpires to do it but with the rule with the ghost runner which i waffle back and forth whether i like it or not i not i think it really comes down to does it help the brewers or does it not help the brewers when it helps the brewers i like it when it doesn't help the brewers i hate it uh, anyways right till has intentionally walked for Brian Anderson, interesting decision given the fact that Brian Anderson has been an absolute stud at the plate. I I don't know if I would do this. This would not be my decision if I was managing the Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners are also a host of Brewers extra relievers. Trevor Gott, now we have Justin Topa, uh, one strike to brian anderson with two outs oh swing right through it uh not a great swing by brian anderson needs to needs to look the other way there uh that's what my dad would be saying at home if he's still awake odds that my dad dad is still awake watching this game is probably i don't know uh would say one one out of every 10 chances potentially oh and two though here now to anderson and soft ground ball foul ball yeah, I mean, he, he can grind out the late games. Usually with him in the late games, it's one of those things where he falls asleep through part of it and then he'll wake up again and if he's lucky like he'll get to see the end of the game that's usually how it works before pitch clock right this is a long game like we're we're heading into hour three which is crazy to say because i think in uh the old generation of baseball this game would be out of, on at about twelve forty or something like that awful swing by brian anderson uh the intentional walk to ronnie Telez works out uh, that was a terrible terrible swing we are going to the bottom of the eleventh. Are we going to see high leverage Bryce Wilson again? Uh, I really hope not. I could not believe that Bryce Wilson's been pitching well for the Brewers. Um, and if, again, if you weren't watching, the Brewers decided to put out Devin Williams in the ninth inning, which is an interesting decision given the fact that Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, and I forget their third guy because Cal Raleigh's their their fourth guy. But that basically the heart of their order was coming up yet. Craig Council's like, nah, fuck that. We're going to go with Devin Williams early instead of putting Devin Williams in the 10th inning. Which was just such a choice being made by Craig Council. And they went with high highlight. Le- oh, uh, Eugenio Suarez. So yeah, that or well, it was, yeah, and Wong got up with Williams. So yeah, it was Rodriguez, France, and Suarez with high leverage Bryce Wilson. And I don't know if we're getting Bryce Wilson again here in the in the 10, in the 11th i don't know what's left piamis is pitched Milner is pitched matt bush is pitched who the fuck is left for the brewers right now there's not much uh we are we, let's look here um let's look at the roster what do we got it's great radio oh it's good pitch stress i mean he's pitched a bunch though that's probably the thing javi guerra but Javi Guerra is not a guy that bodes a ton of confidence in late-game situations. He, he's been known to walk a few batters in his day. Uh, Elvis Piguero has just been called up. So I don't think you want Big Elvis uh, starting. He's big boy. He's 6'5". Massive, massive human being. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting. Okay, let's see where we're going. We are going with high-leverage Bryce Wilson again. All right, buckle up. I, like Bryce, the Bryce Wilson thing's so weird because I watched this guy be an absolute disaster for the Pittsburgh Pirates and for the Atlanta Braves. Like this guy stunk out fucking loud, and I cannot believe that he is an actual good pitcher for the Brewers. Now he's using his sinker up, wait right, up, right at Brian Anderson. Runner is not going to tag, uh, so that it keeps the guy at second base good to go. Good news for Mariners fans though, the Kraken are, are beating up the Avalanche here in game one in their first ever NHL playoff game. So you got that going for you if you're a Mariners fan, if this outcome doesn't work out for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I just can't believe Bryce Wilson's a legitimate pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. I I could not have seen that coming in a million years. Uh, but yeah, one out, that was a very quick out, uh, That which is great. I mean, Bryce Wilson Definitely needed it. Uh, Twenty-four pitches, a lot of intense pitches in that tenth inning. Cooper Hummel, former Brewer, uh, a Brewer farmhand. He actually never made it up to the Brewers. So he got traded in the Gerardo Parra trade years ago. I, that was like two. Is that two thousand eleven? That was that might have been earlier than that. Was that two thousand nine? When did Gerardo Para go to the Brewers? A uh, lot of fact checking needed in this show, uh, but so we're, this is what this is what happens when you do this live. It's you know it it, it adds a it adds an element here. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Cooper Hummel, former former brewer. Hopefully, not trying to tear up the team. It had to be not two thousand nine. Cooper Hummel's not that fucking old. When when did Herardo Par? When was he a brewer? Most famously known for being a national, he was on there. On their World Series team, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that was 2014. What the hell am I saying? Why did I think 2009? That 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 was never right. But yeah, anyways, they they did trade for Gerardo Parra, uh before he was on the Brewers. Then again in 2015, and then they traded him to Baltimore that middle of that year. Remember, the Brewers in 2014 were good for a while, and the bottom just completely fell out in September which was probably one of the more brutal Brewer seasons. Bryce Wilson with a walk to Cooper Hummel, not even close. Uh, Just dancing around the plate. My stream is holding on for dear life. It does sometimes happen when I'm running the Wi-Fi on the computer, the Wi-Fi on the phone, and and then the streaming service. That doesn't always work out down down in the cave. Uh, but, But I've turned off the Wi-Fi on the phone, and we reset now for the next batter up. I do wonder if this, this bottom is just gonna fall off for the brewers. It, it, like, it's Bryce Wilson, right? And I just I don't know. Tini's talking to him at the mound, being like, just relax, just chill out. Bryce Wilson, sweet glove. He has like a black and yellow glove. I don't think it's blue. I think it's black. I, I dig it. I, I like I like what he has going there. Do they have a pinch hitter up? No, this is a Carly Cardellano. I uh, butchered that name. That's okay. It's late, it's late at night. That's allowed uh bryce looking in there kind of looks like he has to poop i don't know i don't think he does uh on an aside the brewers are wearing their gray jerseys it's a classic traditional uh, outfit tonight we have the gray brewers jerseys with the white mariners how it should be as some people would say as the traditionalists would say uh i like i love the brewers grays i'm usually not a gray fan but the brewers grays are actually some of my favorites uh out in, in terms of gray outfits uh, Carl, I should probably learn how to pronounce this guy's name But anyways, the Mariner's second baseman He just popped out Out to the outfield Or no, not popped out, sorry He just uh, Fouled one off So it's 0-1 here uh, The stream still struggling uh, It's not good It's like when you had the Spice channel on at home like You just get in the scrambly there Oh, there's a strike from Bryce Wilson 0-2 now uh, Great pitch there uh, So we got 0-2 one out, uh, we'll see here. Carter DeLano, man, I'm, I'm not even going to try. I've tried like three times now. I'm not going to. And this motherfucker probably is going to have a home run. And then I have to say it again. So yeah, the Seattle second baseman who cheated in the 10th inning. Uh, that was a ball from Mr. Wilson. Uh, yeah, Carantini goes all gray. Uh, like it's a, it's like a growl fit for a catcher's uniform, which is very weird. I, I would never, I would never think to do something like that. Uh, just doesn't, doesn't really make sense uh, to me. All right, so here's Wilson setting, and okay, maybe double play, Brasseau to second. Oh no, nope, they're not gonna get it. So we have runners on first and third to see whether we go to the twelfth inning. You guys, please. Tell me if you like this. Uh, I did I did this, I think, for a Dodgers game. It was either a Dodgers or a Giants game. I think it was a Giants game. It was the middle of the summer. I had nothing better to cover. And I did it out of, out of the blue. And today, I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm having fun with this game. It's been a marathon. Uh, and why not? Let's, let's let it rip. Let's let it fly. So we'll, we'll see where we go here. So, yes, now we have two outs, two on uh, with... Colton Wong, former Brewer, to the plate. Chris Hook meeting at the mound. There have been a lot of meetings at the mound here in this inning. I wonder if Chris Hook's saying, hey, this is this is gonna be a squeeze play. This is a time where probably Lane Grindle and what's the guy's name? Josh Bauer, probably doing around the around the league. Oh, we got Pinch hitter. Looks like JP Crawford coming in for Colton Wong. Uh, in this situation probably makes sense Colton Wong has been brutal for the Mariners I don't know if you guys noticed this but he's 5-52 on the season and he's awful defensively he's not his defense has not came back his defensive war is way down absolute fleece job by Matt Arnold uh, to get Jesse Winker who's I think already you know outweighed what Colton Wong's production has been I know Winker's had some injury stuff he played half half of the game today he's back he had a little bit of oblique soreness but it wasn't baseball related it was bronchitis related which i i don't know if i've had a cold where i've basically had sore abs from it uh, i don't know if you guys have but it's that's that's really fucking bad uh crawford now steps in um like i said two outs two on even with the pitch clock it's still like doing this kind of format it's not as quick as i think you'd want it to be wilson sets we had a strike nope and ball the carantini tried to frame it my stream again is is buffering like a layer song that you're trying to download you think you're downloading a closing time by third eye blind but really it's semi-sonic that's kind of what we're looking at with my stream down here it's I think it's just where it's placed in the basement. Uh, I've got to think about that going forward. Is that another ball? Nope, that's a strike uh, from Bryce Wilson. There we go. To get two more strikes here and get a review. These are the reviews I actually hate doing. A uh, little behind the scenes, a little behind while the sausages being made because no one's going to fucking watch this. This is way too late to be doing a review. Another strike from Bryce Wilson. Oh, no, that was a ball. God bless it. My stream and... Uh, The guy, I can't pronounce his last name, took second base. Carbello, I think it is. We're going to go Carbello. I think it's Carbello. And I think I was just trying way too hard. That bad. Bad by me. A bad job. But yeah, he took second base. Uh, So now runners are on first, second, and third. Uh, Crawford could win the game here potentially with a single. Uh, I don't know why Carantini didn't throw down. I don't know if it was Wilson not checking the runner. Whatever it may be. Uh, But we have runners on second and third. Two and one now for high leverage Bryce Wilson, uh, which I can't believe is a thing um, here. Bryce Wilson also kind of gives off a Lance Lynn vibe, which I don't like. Um, I, I think you know if you give off a Lance Lynn vibe, that's kind of that's kind of setting yourself up for failure. Wilson, nope, another ball. Okay, I would warn Bryce Wilson that if he were to walk J.P. Crawford, we would be dealing with Julio Rodriguez with the bases loaded. And two outs. That's the type of stuff where if you're an MVP, you come up there and you just drop your dick. And I can see Julio Rodriguez doing that. And we're gonna get a chance. All right, Bryce Wilson. he right, I might be running out of gas. He's at 38 pitches. Um, and it's like 43 degrees outside. And now he has Julio Rodriguez with the bases loaded, two outs. Not great. We're gonna give you, we're gonna give you a, a live tweet here of this. Just gonna go gulp. So if you see that gulp tweet, uh, tabby the Keg on Twitter, that's what it was. Uh, so Julio Rodriguez, uh, bases loaded, two outs, wall for Bryce Wilson. Bryce Wilson can't find the strike zone. It is apparent that Bryce Wilson has reverted back to his old self. Br- Bryce Willie Wilson is back to his old ways. It's like the Bugs Bunny mean, "Forgive me, Father, I've sinned, but I'm back to my old ways." Come on, Bryce, throw a strike. Oh, grounder to William Davis. Yes, the Brewers win. Brewers win. Fuck yeah, Bryce Wilson. Proving me wrong. Love to see it. How about it for those Milwaukee Brewers? All right. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That will do it for today's show. A little, that may be a little different of a show today. I hope you guys enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a game two reaction. Uh, we'll hop on right after the game is over, uh, talk about all that that occurred, whether Giannis will play, whether Giannis will not play. Uh, we'll get into Golden Kegs for Brewers and Mariners, uh, recap the entire series, not just one game, and we'll maybe do some Packer stuff. I was going to do some Packer stuff today, but with the way it all sort of panned out, I am not going to, I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to ride out with a couple topics today, which we don't always do. uh, But I feel like it's a good time for it. Lots going on. A lot of podcast stuff for the next few weeks, as I told you guys at the start of this show. So stay tuned for that. We will see you tomorrow. All right. Take care and have a good one. Bye.